0: Do you have a heart for people who don't yet know Jesus? John Weaver says God may want to use that stirring in your heart to help accomplish the Great
1: Commission. God still is raising up laborers, the harvest is still plentiful, the laborers are few, the fields are white, God's at work. And we believe this is kind of like the last days. I mean, maybe we're in the last, it could be a long chapter, don't misunderstand me, but maybe we're in the last chapter of human history and maybe some of the work left to be done
0: Last week here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio, we heard part one of a conversation I had with John Weaver. He was living in Afghanistan and sharing the gospel there when terrorists attacked on 9-11. And the United States removed the Taliban government there in Afghanistan. Last week he explained why he decided to stay in the country even while all that was going on. And even when the United States government said all the Americans should leave. If you missed it, you can hear last week's program again at vomradio.net. Again, that website, vomradio.net. John Weaver is the author of two books. One is called Inside Afghanistan. The other is called A Flame on the Front Line. We will link you to order a copy of either one of those books at vomradio.net. We're very fortunate because John has family living in the Tulsa area, close to our offices in Bartlesville, Oklahoma, and so he was able to come up and sit down with me in the studio here in Bartlesville. Last week, John began to explain what it's like to come to Christ in a Muslim nation, what that means, where the pressure is likely to come from. You know, it's ideal when the whole family makes that decision to serve the Lord together— because then one person is not going to be persecuted by the rest of their family. When someone comes to Christ as an individual, it can be very tough. At some point, they have to make the decision to tell their spouse or their parents or other family members, I'm not a Muslim anymore. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I asked John what those conversations can be like—
1: Yeah, so that's a huge thing. I mean, one thing comes to mind, I remember one young man, in this case, he wasn't married. And unfortunately, when people found out about his faith, as we would say, sorry for my French, all hell broke loose in one sense. Later, he was able to navigate that in God's mercy and the help of others. And eventually, he went to his mother, Uh, an interesting play on culture. He went to his mother and said, Mom, if I have found something that's really helped me to be more spiritual, to be closer to God. Wouldn't you be happy with that? Her initial response was yes. (laughs) Some days later, he shows her the Scriptures, the Word of God, and begins reading it with her. And God begins melting her heart because of the power of the Word of God. And then eventually, she is able then to kind of keep the powers that be, so to speak, in control. And eventually, this brother gets married and goes on with his life, and it's a very, very positive story. There are other stories where they're not so positive, uh, which some have led to imprisonment, some have led to being kicked out of the family, some have even been led to being kicked out of the country, some have even led to martyrdom. But there are other ones where it's led to the salvation of that whole family. I think of another one where, you know, when I originally was in Afghanistan, I was single, and then later I got married, and I learned a whole lot from the women's perspective once I was married in Afghanistan. And I remember one lady told my wife, there's something going on with my husband because he no longer treats me the way he did before. Uh, And hopefully the listeners could fill in the blanks of what that might look like in his particular culture. Long story short, over time, she becomes a follower of Christ as well. His children do as well. But it was him not so much saying a whole lot. It was a transformation of his life that began to speak. She begins asking questions, and then he fills in the blanks as to why my life's changed.
0: I love that testimony. Something is going on with my husband. (laughs) you got to help me figure this out. You talked about the fact that you got married in Afghanistan. I want us to talk a little bit about that because I know you made a very specific effort to have a Christian wedding in an Afghan cultural context, Talk a little bit about the planning that that went into that, how you did that, and then the response of the Afghan people to see, here's this American, here's this Christian, but obviously he loves our country and loves Mm -hmm. our culture because he's honoring our culture in the the wedding process. So talk a little bit about that story and how the people around responded to you in that situation.
1: Mm -hmm. No, thanks. That's a good question. I mean, we made a lot of mistakes in Afghanistan, but our heart was— we want to become all things to all people. So when I met my wife-to-be, we actually met in Afghanistan, and God put it on our heart to get engaged in Afghanistan. That lasted a whole week as well, and that was kind of preparing the way for what we weren't fully aware of at the time, which was God was going to say, I want you to get married here in Afghanistan in a Christian way, but in a way that is totally Afghan. So... It's a long story. We're writing a book about it. It's a long story. <laughs> so we had to get all the government leaders' permission to get their buy-in to this because if we're going to have a Christian wedding, we're going to talk about Jesus. Well, an Afghan wedding, you don't talk about Jesus. Yeah, there are Muslim weddings. And uh, we're going to have to feed the whole community. Well, where we lived at the time, there was no infrastructure. There was very little running water. It was very little electricity. We had solar panels. So the concept of how are you going to feed a whole community— Well, the way you do it in Afghanistan is the whole community is involved in feeding the community. So on the religious side, we wanted to make sure we had the buy-in, the the leaders in our community, in our city. But on the practical side, we wanted to make sure they were on board with us because there was no way we could pull this off without their help. Now, as you mentioned, we had lived there for some years, and we had been serving them. We were part of their community. So they were actually excited. Strange as it sounds, they were actually excited for, for us to pull this off. So, again, it lasted several days. We did it in the afternoon, which meant during the day we fed the whole community, women in a totally different area, men in a totally – I'm talking about over a 1,000 people we fed. Wow. With no Walmarts, I mean, no <laughs> Sam's Clubs, I mean, no, no, no infrastructure at all, but it was done in an Afghan way through the help of the community. Then in the afternoon, we had the wedding ceremony. We actually had it between the two calls to prayer. You know, for those of you who know our Muslim friends, they pray five times a day, which is led by a call to prayer. So we did it in the afternoon, in between those two calls to prayer, so that we wouldn't be causing an offense. And also, that was the best time for people to be able to come as well. It's a lot of interesting stories to share there, but there were a lot of local believers that were involved in it from various nationalities. It was all in the local language. No English was spoken at all. There were a lot of things that we did that were Afghan, in terms of singing music, a little bit of dancing, because that's part of Afghan. We shared vows to kind of cover ourselves as an Americans if we would need to. And Eventually, we had to. We had to actually get a document to verify right. that we were actually married. Of course, it's an Afghan document signed by the Supreme Court in Afghanistan. We did have an ordained minister who was involved in it, but he was a fellow worker in the country who spoke the language. And as I said, there were other believers from various nationalities that were involved in it. One of the things that is so powerful, there was a lady who was a follower of Jesus who prayed in her local language, which was the local language of a lot of people that were in that gathering. And when she prayed, you could have heard a pin drop. And they were, one, just so surprised to see a lady pray, two, pray in their language, pray in a way that showed that she knew God, she loved God, and she was praying a blessing on this particular couple, us who were getting getting married, and all the ripple effects and conversations and questions that came in the days and, and weeks and months I that would followed. I
0: imagine some heads exploded yes. when that happened. <laughs> <laughs> like, whoa, wait a minute. This is a woman praying publicly in her own language to Jesus, yes, the God of the Bible. Exactly. Wow. Yes. So I, I can imagine that in the days after that, You had a lot of conversations about you got married, but I think of the honor that that gives to the Afghan people and culture that, you know, we could have flown home and got married in our country. No, we chose to do it here, your way. What was the response? I'm thinking of like the village elders and leaders that you had to go to and get permission and work this all out. What was their response when you said, no, I want to get married in your country?
1: They did feel honored, especially when they learned a little bit about the history of of my wife and and her family, and they'll have to read the next book to get the more details (laughs) about that, but how that they knew we met in Afghanistan. But partly because some of these guys were like my father figures or my older brother figures, and they knew me as a young single guy. And in Afghan culture, you're not complete until you get married. You're actually not really complete until you get married and father children. That's kind of the way legacy works in that particular culture. So they felt very honored. Maybe surprised in some ways, but honored in the sense that we actually were going to do this. Because it was such an open, public Christian wedding, I mean, I should say there, there were some concerns expressed after that. But the fact that we did it in a way that honored their community, honored their culture, involved them from A to Z, it really embedded us even more so, rooted us even more so uh, in that particular culture it's just the part that some of them weren't so excited about was all the Jesus type of... Yeah, all that Jesus stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but that's true everywhere, isn't it, Todd? I mean, you know, Jesus... <laughs>
0: Jesus, yeah. The the smell of life to yes. some, the smell of death to others. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with John Weaver. He is the author of a book called Inside Afghanistan. He is also the author of another book called A Flame on the Frontline, also about his time in Afghanistan. We will provide you links to order those books at vomradio.net when you come and visit the notes for this particular episode. John, as we've talked about the Afghan church, what, what are the greatest needs? How can we help? How can VOM help? How can the American church help our Afghan brothers and sisters?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, the first thing that comes in mind, though it sounds in, as an easy answer, but we need to be praying with and for our Afghan brothers and sisters. Just to remind the listeners, there are Afghans, there are Afghans, many Afghans that love Jesus. And um,
0: how many? Can, can I ask that question? Because I know uh, I've been at VOM for 19 years now. When when I got here, we talked about the Afghan church being maybe a hundred, maybe 200. Um, how many are we talking now? In, do you have a sense of, of how many Afghan believers there are?
1: Well, when you think about Afghan believers in the country and the diaspora, because there are millions, there could be over 5 million Afghans scattered around different countries, there's two things I would say. One is, to answer your question, it's in the thousands. But actually, Todd, it's funny, I get asked this question a lot, and the more I wrestle with it and pray with it, this is how God has put it on my heart to answer. This is how I answer there's not enough. <laughs> There's not enough. Yes, there are thousands of them. Yes, in the end, God knows how many. And yes, we know one day we'll get to heaven with every tribe, you know, people redeemed from every tribe, nation, kindred, and tongue. And that will include many, many multitudes of Afghans. But now, my, my heart's response to that question, regardless of the setting, is it's not enough. So, will you pray for Afghanistan? Will you pray for God's Spirit? Uh, to work there, will you pray for our brothers and sisters to be sustained by God's grace and to be able to to share with their family and to share with their community and to share. So prayer is still a big thing. Prayer is still a big thing. Some of the most encouraging things happening among Afghans is happening in the diaspora, meaning in the surrounding countries and the other countries where uh, there's Afghan populations, stories every day of how God's at work there and Afghans are coming uh, to Christ. If you know of ministries, in this case, VOM specifically, we would say support ministries that are linked to Afghans, to Afghanistan or to Afghans in the diaspora. We're very grateful for the partnerships with uh, VOM and other organizations because media is such a big way that Afghans are being reached because, again, there's no local church in the country. And even for Afghans who are scattered throughout the world, even in their initial journey of coming followers of Christ, media or technology or Facebook, someone sharing with them through Facebook or Skype or uh, some of these websites or some of these radio or TV programs—that's a huge, big way, a big stone, a big a big part, a big link in them uh, becoming uh, followers of uh, uh, of Jesus. So, so prayer is a big thing. Supporting organizations that are connected to uh, to Afghans because the reason why we're saying now there's not enough is because we believe. There are many more Afghans, if they could but hear the love of Jesus and hear the, the sweetness of his word, sorry, I'm getting a little teary-eyed, they, they would become, they're, they're hungry, they're, they're thirsty. Hungry. They're, they're not only lost in that sense, we all understand that, but they're hungry I and mean, they've been through so much. They're thirsty for living water because they've been through so much. And we believe it's, it's God's time for, uh, for, for Afghans and for Afghanistan.
0: Amen. I I hope that you will take that and pray this week, especially for Afghan believers, but also for Afghans who are not believers yet, uh, that God will reach them. John, let's let's talk about reaching Muslims for Christ. And uh, this is something we talk about often here on VOM Radio, because I want to equip American believers that listen to this who their neighbor's a Muslim. Their their coworkers a Muslim. Their classmate is a Muslim, and they want to they want to drink tea with that person and have that conversation, but they feel very intimidated. You know, our our idea of Muslims is they're terrorists, and and if I talk about Jesus, he's gonna probably he's gonna attack me. How do you advise us as Americans to to start that path, to start that conversation? where hopefully we get to the point where we are talking about, well, you're different. What's going on with you? How, how can you explain this? Give us some advice as Americans here in America for those conversations.
1: I think the first thing we would say, let's ask God to give us his heart for Muslims. He loves Muslims. Let's ask him to pour love in our heart for them. Secondly, if we know Muslims, co-worker, neighbor, whatever the context is here in the United States— Let's pray specifically for them that God would then open up opportunities for us to express his love that's now in our hearts. And that could come in many different ways. I mean, sometimes you're in the grocery line and you see someone who looks a little bit differently. Sometimes it could just be saying, hello, how are you? Maybe you just say salam, which is like shalom for our Jewish uh, friends. Uh, It means peace uh, in Arabic. And they'll light up and uh, their hearts will open. So then beyond that, we would say if you're able to have conversations because you're, it's a neighbor or a co-worker or whatever the context is, we would say just simply ask questions. Be a learner. Be a good listener by simply engaging with simple questions like, hey, Muhammad, tell me about what it's like, you know, in your country, whatever his country is, or how is your family doing back in your country, whatever his country is, or how your studies going if he is a student. Our experience is by showing them through questions that we value them, that we love them, that we appreciate them, then guess what happens? Questions come back to us, and then we get more opportunities to share. Ramadan, for example, a classic example would be, so if we have Muslim friends, even if I already know about Ramadan, I'm going to ask them, you know, hey, Abdullah, tell me about, tell me about Ramadan. Tell me about how you're going to fast. Tell me about why you fast. It's opening uh-huh. up his mind as to he's almost starting to question and search. And then our experience is he will come back and ask some, why, some why questions. Why don't you fast?
0: <laughs> or he may. But
1: sometimes he may ask, well, John, you're a Christian. Do you fast? Meaning tell me about fasting, right. fasting for, for you. And so the point is seeing how you can share truth just by simply asking, asking questions and back and forth with questions and back and forth with questions. And it could develop to saying to, you know, hey, Abdullah, as a Muslim, help me understand, what do you believe about heaven? That may not be the first question you would right. ask, but my point is by asking them questions, it's triggering something in them, causing them to question what they believe. Right. And it if, also— If
0: they don't have an answer, they need one. That's exactly right. <laughs> so. And sometimes
1: it, it, it will reciprocate back. Well, then they will ask, oh, John, by the way, help me understand as a Christian, what do you believe about whatever the particular topic is? So we would say, God, give me love for Muslims. Give me love for my Muslim neighbor. Let's pray specifically for them because God's already at work. They may have already had a dream before we even get a chance to talk to them. And then pray, God, open up opportunities and make me winsome in the sense of not coming with all the answers. Let me come with questions. And, and maybe there's practical ways that you could you could serve. You know, if it if it goes beyond that, you know, helping them uh, with their life here, you know, in the states. Uh, but our experience is that by doing that, you'll have opportunities to share uh, with them.
0: Well, and I love uh, I love that you started with prayer, and I love that you started with a prayer for love in our hearts, because when you start a conversation, that love is going to come through. They're going to be able to see, hey, this is somebody who really cares about me. And uh, we just had a letter from a VM Radio listener who is a lady who asked for cooking lessons. She said, "Will you teach me how to make something from your country. You invited her over. They spent hours in the kitchen together, and it's developing into a fabulous friendship, a way to have those conversations and drink that tea. That's beautiful. Uh, so –
1: hospitality Their hospitality, yeah, hospitality. Mm-hmm.
0: is huge in particularly in central asia that part of the world yes. they are masters of hospitality we can show a little bit yes. uh, the other thing i love about your answer is it it started out with me being willing to say hello mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't have to like have the four spiritual laws <laughs> in arabic uh, you know mastered that i could lay down in front mm-hmm. of them i just had to say hello That's right. We're talking today on Voice of Mars Radio with John Weaver. He is the author of a book called Inside Afghanistan. John, my last question, we've talked about ministering here in America to Muslims around us. I know there are some listeners who God is working on them to maybe get on an airplane and go somewhere else, like you did as a young man halfway around the world. What would you say to them if they're starting to sense that call to go to the nations?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Todd, I think I would just remind them, again, God's heart for the nations, especially for Muslims, especially for unreached. And if God's stirring in them that and that's resonating, uh, then I, depending upon their context, I mean, maybe they should talk to someone at their local church. Maybe there's a local ministry that they're uh, involved in. Maybe they should get Operation World or some other. There's a lot of prayer re- resources that they could get to uh, begin praying and, and, and further developing that uh, that calling or that desire. But then I would encourage them to go for it. I would encourage them to go for it because God still is raising up laborers. The harvest is still plentiful. The laborers are few. The fields are white. God's at work. And we believe this is kind of like the last days. I mean, maybe we're in the last—it could be a long chapter. Don't misunderstand me. But maybe we're in the last chapter of human history, and maybe some of the work left to be done is among unreached people groups in some of these Muslim uh, countries. I would encourage them to, to develop a skill because our experience was that God doesn't waste anything. For example, my wife was involved in IT work, computers and accounting. And when the Lord sent her from New York City to Afghanistan, she worked with an organization that needed her exact skills that she was doing. And so to be open to developing a skill or, or, or getting that skill and believing that God then would, would use that, and then it's partnering with an organization that would you know facilitate that particular calling or that particular talent, or skill. But we'll just again encourage them to seek God about that and to move forward with that because God is repositioning some of us for this great harvest that He wants to bring primarily among Muslims.
0: Every tribe and tongue and nation Amen. we are excited to help facilitate that and one of my prayers for VM radio is that some people will hear a story about Afghanistan or they'll hear a story about Turkey or Amen. wherever it is, and God will use that story to say, hey, that's where I want you to go. Start Amen. getting ready. Start Amen. packing Amen. your bags. Amen. That's Amen. where I want you to be. So Amen. Uh, we just pray for that and uh, ask God when before we tape an interview in here in our studio. Amen. We say a prayer and say, Lord, you take this interview, you take this conversation and, and direct it whichever way you want it to go. We have been talking today with John Weaver. He is the author of two books about his time in Afghanistan. One is called Inside Afghanistan. The other is called A Flame on the Front Line. And as he's mentioned, he's working on a new book about his marriage in Afghanistan. So when that day comes, we'll have to have you come back and talk about that some more. John, thank you for your heart. It comes through, even through the microphone, Thank you for your heart and your work and for being willing to share it with us today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio.
1: Amen. Thank you, Todd. What a privilege. Thank you.
0: Like we've heard this week, I want to encourage you to pray for the nation of Afghanistan. Pray for the church there. Pray for Muslims to have supernatural encounters that point them to Jesus Christ. Pray that they'll be reached through media, through the internet, through satellite television, through our radio broadcast, whatever way God chooses We simply ask that you'll pray for the nation of Afghanistan and the people of Afghanistan to come to know Jesus Christ. You know, right now, it's Ramadan. It's the holy month in the Muslim calendar, so it is a particularly strategic time for us as Christians to pray for Muslims to come to know Christ in a personal way. Next week, we're going to hear from another gospel worker working in a Muslim nation in the Middle East— for security reasons, we can't tell you a lot about him. We can't tell you his real name. We can't tell you the country where he's working. And that makes it really a unique opportunity for us as American Christians to hear what God is doing in a place that most of us will never be able to visit, we will never be able to go, a place that's dangerous, but a place where God is on the move. So I know you'll want to hear that. Join us again next week right here on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.